Hey there, Laura here. For the next couple weeks, the podcast team is going to be taking a summer break, but don't worry, there are still going to be new episodes. For the next four weeks, we are jumping back to share a few of the most viewed sessions from the past Church Mental Health Summit, and I can't wait to share some of these fantastic talks and resources with you. And I'm excited to share that the 2022 Summit is open for registration. Over 50 speakers from around the world are coming together to equip the local church to support mental health in their church and community. To check out the speakers and to register for this free event, go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. The show today is a flashback to one of the top viewed sessions of our 2021 Church Mental Health Summit with Isabel Garza. Isabel is a registered dietitian and owner of Women Wise Nutrition. She helps women who struggle with hormone dysfunction and disordered eating learn how to stop fighting food and start nourishing their bodies with confidence and clarity. Isabel strives to empower women with a deeper understanding of their health so they can ultimately live their life of purpose. Isabel offers great resources and I really enjoy her Instagram feed. So you might want to check that out as it offers an alternative view of healthy eating that is so incredibly refreshing compared to the many channels that push different diets, supplements, or exercises that have unrealistic promises. Let me tell you, you're going to want to follow Isabel on Instagram. She is fantastic. I try to offer a balance of episodes that support you as a caregiver, as well as equip you to care for others well. And this episode, well, it could fall really into both of those categories. There are many people, almost 30 million people in the U.S. alone that struggle with disordered eating. So there is a good chance that you're going to connect with someone with these struggles. But you will often hear me say things like leaders are people too. And as caregivers, we are part of the community that we are caring for. Essentially, I'm saying that just because we help others doesn't mean our lives are perfect. As supporters, we have struggles too. And a common struggle among caregivers is around body image and disordered eating. It is common for helpers to struggle with food, body image, and all the control and emotions that come with that. In her session, Isabel shares that the fastest growing group of people being diagnosed with eating disorders are middle-aged women, and less than 6% are considered underweight. So this is the size silent struggle for so many people. This is why I wanted to reshare Isabel's session from the 21 Church Mental Health Summit. Isabel invites you to explore a new way of approaching your mental, emotional, and physical health that may be counter to what society is teaching. And you're going to be able to identify and challenge these harmful beliefs that are misaligned with God's truth while discovering the innate wisdom of your body. I hope you enjoyed this session as much as I did. Here is Isabel. Hi, I'm Isabel and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I'm the owner and founder of WomanWise Nutrition and I specialize in the intersection of women's health and disordered eating. I help women who struggle with hormone dysfunctions to stop fighting food in their bodies and to start nourishing their bodies from a place of empowerment and intention. Today, I'm gonna to talk about two things. 
fear and wisdom. Fear because as women from a young age, we're taught to be afraid of our bodies and as a result, to be afraid of food, which leads to so many painful things we experience as women. And wisdom because we can actually find freedom in our bodies and joy in how we approach food. We can reconnect to our body's innate wisdom that's meant to guide us and teach us how to best take care of ourselves. But first, we need to talk about that fear and how it comes to be such a seemingly inextricable part of living in a woman's body, especially in this culture. You may or may not be surprised to learn that the fastest growing population of people getting diagnosed with eating disorders is middle-aged women. But what if I told you that there's now a growing prevalence of girls as young as kindergarten getting the same diagnosis? Before you start building an image of what an eating disorder looks like, only 6% of people with eating disorders are medically diagnosed as underweight. How did we get here? How is it that being a woman has come to mean living at war with our bodies? It's not news to any of us that in our culture, we're constantly bombarded by messages that one, our bodies are not good enough, and two, that we have to achieve a certain body shape and size in order to get everything we want. Whether that's happiness, success, popularity, you name it. Just take a look at your social media feed. How many ads are related to improving how you look, how you're perceived, and how to change how you feel about yourself? And all those weight loss ads, why do you think they portray the results as women walking on the beach, laughing with their handsome partner? All these messages are saying one thing, you are not enough. And this feeling of not being enough, if left unchecked, it can grow in our minds and in our bodies into a threat. And that threat tells us that if you're not thin, you're never going to be happy or fulfilled. And the scariest thing is that we're indoctrinated with these ideas at such a young age. Remember the kindergartners with eating disorders? It's so pervasive in every area of our lives that by the time the words, I hate my body, leave your lips, you are unsure how you got there. If you ask me, this is one of the most insidious epidemics of Stockholm Syndrome that is affecting at least half of the world's population. I'll tell you a little story. I was in the fifth grade. I was wearing my favorite pink shirt with my favorite track pants with the matching pink piping. And it was the outfit that always gave me a little extra pep on my step. It looked amazing. That day I was on the playground totally minding my own business when a girl from my class came up to me, pointed at my chest and yelled, ew, gross, you're not wearing a bra. I still remember the hot feeling of blood rushing to my face. When I got home, I remember running straight to my older sister's room and frantically looking through her dresser to find something to cover up my chest, which by the way, was still flat and undeveloped. That memory stands as the first time I can remember feeling bad about my body, but it was only the beginning of a long history of shame that created distorted beliefs about my body, especially a woman's body. Unfortunately, my experience is not unique. Flip side of that coin, the bright side is that we're not alone, but take a moment to reflect on the instances in your life that shape the way you think about your body. Where were you? Who were you with? Were you with your mother, a friend, 
a doctor? What did you feel in that moment? As I think back to my fifth grade self, I can even feel my shoulders begin to hunch and an attempt to make myself smaller. I can feel the need to hide, to run, even to apologize. Do you feel the need to apologize for your body? Do you use the words hormonal as a means of dismissing your emotions? Do you feel like a failure for not quote, bouncing back after giving birth? Do you believe that your body is a stumbling block to men or a threat? the purity of your Christian brothers. Sisters, this is not how you were created to be. We have to recognize that there is something seriously wrong here and we need to change the way we think and interact with our bodies. We're gonna go to scripture to find some answers. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter six, the body is described as a dwelling place or home. In Psalms 139, it's declared to be beautifully and wonderfully made. And all throughout the Bible, it's clear that God designed us for a greater purpose than to be as small as possible and then die. As a dietitian, I have had the opportunity to witness the beauty and wonder of our bodies. And I want to share these incredible insights that reveal how intelligent and caring God is and how he designed our bodies to function. Because while we're busy loathing our bodies, God's creative and purposeful design is alive in every cell and signal and heartbeat in your body. I'm gonna say something that may rock your world a little bit. Those sugar cravings, they're not an indicator that you're a sugar addict. They're an important message that the body is communicating to you. I've worked with hundreds of women who experience cravings whether it's sugar, salt, chocolate, you name it. And the first thing they ask me is always, how do I get rid of these cravings? As we work together and I look into their health history, run some labs, get to know their story, I help my clients shift the question from, how do I get rid of these cravings? To what are my cravings telling me? I'm gonna use a little biology to explain how cravings are actually important messages. But if you zone out, I'm gonna tell you the punchline first. So hear me when I say this. God designed our bodies so that they are always trying to do the best thing for us. All right, here comes the biology. When we eat less than our body needs or we overexercise or deprioritize rest or less stress to run our lives, our bodies become severely depleted of essential vitamins and minerals. Maintaining the stress response without adequate rest is very nutrient expensive. And to make matters worse, when we're stressed, instead of prioritizing proper nutrient replenishment, we tend to put nutrition on the back burner. Poor nutrition can also lead to swings in blood sugar that can lead to a metabolic dysfunction called insulin resistance. Now you need to know that cells use glucose, a simple sugar for energy, and they need insulin to bring glucose into the cell so they can use it. It's like the key that unlocks the cell so glucose can enter. Now insulin resistance happens when the cells lose some of their ability to be open by insulin. So they can't access or use as much of the glucose that's in the blood, floating around and deemed useless. The result is that your body's cells get starved for energy. And starving cells then send the brain an SOS signal urgently requesting more nutrients so that they can function optimally. We experience these SOS signals as cravings. 
I mean, how can you not be totally awestruck at just this one example of a system God created in our bodies that is meant to serve you when you are experiencing undesirable symptoms, cravings, weight gain, energy crashes, hormone imbalances. These are all purposeful signals the body is communicating to you. God made our bodies to guide us and help us feel our best. So why are we working so hard against his design? So maybe you're hearing this and thinking, yes, of course I wanna treat my body well and live the way God intended, but you're struggling. Maybe you're reminded of a sermon you've heard in the past that tells you to, quote, be a good steward of your body or to treat your body like a temple for the Holy Spirit, but your body feels less like a temple maybe more like an enemy. You may be binging uncontrollably at night. You might be obsessively overstepping on the scale. You constantly feel anxious about food, oscillating from extreme restriction to a total free-for-all. And on top of all of that, you have the added shame that comes with being a Christian because you feel like this is all somehow sinful or that you should somehow have gotten past these struggles when you started following Jesus. Sister, you are not alone. I need to speak up about something today because I see it happen so much in my practice and it's making it really hard for my Christian clients to move forward in healing and freedom. These women come to me knowing all the verses. They can tell me all the shoulds. They've read all the spiritual books. So why do they still feel stuck and undesirable behaviors. I want to call attention to this issue of over-spiritualizing our issues with food in our body and the difference between public displays of spirituality and our private experiences struggling behind the curtain. So often in my sessions with clients, they're overwhelmed with feelings of self-condemnation and shame about their struggles. They say things like, I know better, why can't I do what I know I should do? Almost every day I hear things like, I know I shouldn't be seeking food for comfort. I should be seeking comfort in God. Women in their 40s and 50s tell me that they're ashamed because they should be more spiritually mature than to still be struggling with binge eating. The truth is the spiritual is part of these issues, but they're not only spiritual. They are real physiological and psychological systems involved. And as Christians, we need to be very careful not to confuse symptoms with sin. When someone has a broken leg, we absolutely pray for them that healing comes quickly. But we would think they're a little odd if they don't go to the doctor and get a cast and put it on and walk on crutches until it heals. Casts and crutches are part of God's grace to us living in this broken world where legs get broken. Eating disorders and mood disorders are real diagnoses. Anxiety disorders real, depression is real, anorexia and binge eating disorders, and bulimia and orthorexia, these are real diagnoses. And just because your disordered eating behaviors don't have a clinical diagnosis doesn't mean they're any less real. I'll say it again, as Christians, we must be careful to not conflate symptoms with sin. Disordered eating behaviors and diagnosed eating disorders have both psychiatric and physiological influences. 
over-spiritualizing these conditions creates unnecessary shame and isolation rather than healing and transformation. The church community labels binge eating behaviors as gluttony or orthorexic behaviors as food and exercise idolization. Individuals who are struggling with serious disordered eating or eating disorders are left feeling less than or worse, like they're bad Christians. Due to the stigma of mental health, I see oversimplified solutions presented over and over again for these psychiatric and physiological challenges, especially as it relates to food and eating behaviors. Binge eating behavior, emotional eating, and obsession with food and exercise aren't just behavioral problems. They are symptoms of unmet physical and mental needs, whether it's trauma, malnutrition, hormone imbalances, thyroid dysfunction, the list goes on. Our mental well-being affects our physical well-being, and our physical well-being affects our mental well-being. Willpower, motivation, urges, these struggles do not exist as a spiritual battle. Now, to paint the deep connection between the physical and mental aspects of our health, let me just throw out a few stats. 29% of women with endometriosis show moderate to severe anxiety symptoms. And a third of women with PCOS demonstrate binge eating disorder. And finally, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 66% of people living with eating disorders suffer from a mood disorder. As you can see, the challenges we experience with food and our bodies are complex. It can't be fixed with an inspirational spiritual quote. Romans 8.28 says, God works for the good in all things. Yes, that means scripture, but that also means doctors, therapists, caseworkers, nutritionists, your community. In fact, he arranged for you to be here today. This is not a coincidence. He is so generously making resources available to you so that you can be better equipped to navigate the struggles you may be facing with food in your body. You are not alone. Do not need to suffer in silence and in shame. There's one thing I want you to take away from our time together today. It is that you can seek help for your struggles with food. God has given us beautiful internal resources that we get to experience every day. Our appetite cues, cravings, mood, energy levels. And he has also provided external resources, professionals and experts in these areas that can help guide you to better interpret those signals and support you to feel your best. Now let's pause here. I want to recognize what I just said may have been a lot. It may be a big shift for many of you. Some of you may be feeling overwhelmed and that's okay. You don't have to take all of this on at once. And some of you might be on the opposite end of the spectrum and you're thinking, this is great. I'm ready to get going. What do I do? I've got some action items for you to take all this heady stuff and start making changes one step at a time. So the first step is to do some mental work and identify the false narratives you hold about your body. If we don't start with the mind, it's almost impossible to change our behaviors. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And while we may think that all our beliefs and all are, are our own and they come from ourselves. In reality, they can be influenced by our experiences. 
and the people around us throughout our lives. If we aren't intentional, we can easily pick up and start living our lives based on these beliefs that don't truly belong to us. So take an audit. What is the internal narrative you tell yourself about your body? Here are some common ones I hear from my clients. I'll never get better. My body is broken. My body is sabotaging me. I once heard a woman say, I wish I didn't have so many needs. When we make it the purpose of our lives to take up as little space as possible, both physically and figuratively, we miss out on the expansive life that God has in mind for you. All right, so if the first step is to identify false narratives, then the next step is to rewrite your story. Even if these stories were told to you, absorbed from your life experiences or passed down from generations, you have the power to transform the relationship you have with your body. I want you to hear that you are not destined to hate your body for the rest of your life. You can speak kindly to your body, the body that God has given you. You are fully capable of breaking these old thought patterns. Your body is not broken. It is whole. Food does not have control over you. You have the freedom to choose. Now, finally, the last step is to commit to becoming the expert of your own body. Now, becoming the expert on anything doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and dedication. It requires making mistakes and being able to learn from them. And this is also where reaching out for help can come into play. You go to a mechanic to fix your car, a seamstress to sew a shirt, an IT person to fix all things tech. Why not seek support in this area of your health? I see too many women committed to being the expert on someone else's body endlessly scrolling through health and wellness blogs, diet hacks, body transformation pages. But you only have so much mental capacity to learn in a given day. And if you're too busy focusing on everything outside of your body, you'll run out of space to explore and understand what's going on inside your body. Luke 12, seven says that even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. God made you unique and he gave you unique signals and systems to help you meet those unique needs. A woman once told me after having worked together, she said, I realize I have nothing to be afraid of. If I trust my body, then I will listen. And if I'm listening, I'll know what it needs when it needs it. Are you ready to pay attention? Are you ready to listen? Now, if today's message resonated with you and you're ready to Take the leap towards total healing and transformation through this partnership with your body. I want to support you on that journey and invite you to join my program, Nourished with Purpose. In this program, we will be taking these broad concepts we discussed today and put them into practice. And the best part is that you get to do all of this within an incredible community of women. Remember, you are not alone and you don't have to go about it alone. So you can go to womenwisenutrition.com slash nourished with purpose to get added to the wait list. I hope to see you there. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you were encouraged by this session because I most definitely was. If you're struggling with disordered eating or binging or considering perhaps maybe you have a hormone dysfunction, you are not alone. And I hope that you are able to connect with a trusted supporter like Isabel. If you found this session helpful, then you're going to want to sign up for the next Church Mental Health Summit on October 10th. Registration is free and it gives you access to all 50 talks 
For registration and to check out the speakers, go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com. Thanks for connecting. Take care.